Thank you for joining Bowling Green Christian Church this week. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit BowlingGreenChristian.org. Check, check, check. All right. How y'all doing? Good deal. All right. This morning, I'm excited to be up here. My name is Jonathan. Um, I play drums, serve on Guest Central, and I'm just super excited, super excited to be with y'all this morning. Um, we are in the middle of a series in Ruth, and we are talking through the different seasons of faith. Each week, we'll be looking at a chapter from the book of Ruth and the seasons of faith that it corresponds to in our lives. Last week, Weston did a great job talking about Ruth chapter one. I would highly encourage you to check that out if you haven't yet. Ruth chapter one, it introduces us to who Ruth is. And Wesson talked about how in winter we must remain faithful. And you can see in the first chapter of Ruth the type of person Ruth is. She is loyal, she's faithful, and is willing to risk her future in order to serve Naomi. So today we are gonna be looking at Ruth chapter two, and the title for today's message is In Spring, Go to Work. So the message today is in spring, go to work. Let's pray real quick, all right? Jesus, we love you. We're so thankful for you this morning. Lord, we just pray that every person in here just experiences your love, your grace, your mercy. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, so we're going to kind of dive right into the story pretty quickly. Ruth and Naomi in chapter one, they moved to Bethlehem and they are getting settled in their new home, but they need food. So there's still work that needs to be done. And what we find out in chapter two is that Ruth, yes, is loyal and is faithful, but Ruth is also a really hard worker. Ruth chapter two, verse two says this, if you wanna go ahead and put that up. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick, over, pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. So right away, we see that Ruth is not afraid of work and is not afraid to take initiative. Ruth goes right to work in the fields of Boaz. She's doing a good job, and Boaz notices her and asks about her. When he asks about her in verse 6, if you want to put that up, the overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So not only is Ruth going to work, people are beginning to notice the work ethic of Ruth. And Boaz, after doing a little research, decides, hey, I'm going to go up and talk to her. He tells her, he starts this conversation. He says, hey, it's okay to work in my fields. Um, no one's going to mess with you. And Ruth is just blown away by his kindness and says, why are you being so kind to me? Why are you being so kind to a stranger, a foreigner? And in verse 11, Boaz replies, I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and your homeland and came to live with the people you did not know before. So I want us to talk about what we can learn from Ruth from this moment. And that is how our work is significant. Our work is significant. How we work, our work ethic, our work disciplines. This sounds really fun so far, doesn't it? Uh, our daily routines, they are extremely connected to our walk and relationship with God 
in our relationship with our family, and our relationship in our community. From the beginning, God has required mankind to work. And today, the same is being asked of us. Even when life is hard, even when life is chaotic, we have to work. Even when we do not know the outcome of our work, we are still faithful to God to do exactly what he's asking of us, and we work. That's what we do. So right now, if you were to ask the person next to you how things were going, chances are high they would respond with, things are good, but really busy right? That's kind of what happens most of the time. I've already witnessed that this morning. Things are really good, but I'm busy. And the thing is, if we aren't proactive, like extremely proactive and intentional about what we are doing in our day-to-day cycle of busy, because overall we stay busy, but there are definitely seasons when things are busier and harder than others. There are seasons when more is being asked of us. And if we aren't proactive and if we aren't intentional about what we are doing in our day-to-day, life can become overwhelming and we can actually become captive to things like stress. We can become captive to things like bad attitudes, laziness, poor time management. The list goes on and on, right? Things that are counterproductive to working hard and doing what is currently expected of us. And we forget that what we are doing every single day is an opportunity and it is significant and it does matter. And that's actually the real killer here. When we forget that what we do actually matters, what we should be valuing as good work, we begin to think it's not important. And the joy we would have in life, the joys that we thought we would have in our livelihood, in our marriage, in our parenting, in our friendships, in our careers, the joy, the peace we thought we would have about life, it just sometimes feels lost. And the weight of the busyness just starts to set in and it starts to kind of take over. I'll give you two examples. First one is you get a new job. Going into it, you're excited, right? You're pumped. You're like, this is exactly what I needed. This is an answer to prayer. This is going to give me so much peace. It's going to bring so much joy. Next thing you know, we've all been there before. Job description doesn't match up. The boss that we really liked in the interview, he's really not that great. You're not making friendships like you thought you would. And overall, you start to feel more pressure. You start to feel more stress. Your love for your job, it begins to decline a little bit. And you have to decide not only whether you're going to stick it out or not, Either way, your attitude is tested. Your work ethic is tested. And you lose a little bit of hope. You lose a little bit of joy that you had in your job. Another example, parents. That first time you saw your kid getting ready for soccer practice, right? I've got a four-year-old. You got those little cleats, the little shin guards with the little socks. And you're like, you know, your heart just kind of melts a little bit. But now it's like week three. And it's Tuesday, five o'clock. You got to leave your job that you just kind of like. And then you have to rush to soccer practice. You got to figure out dinner plans. You got to coordinate between other kids and their day. Next thing you know, you're tired, you're exhausted. Those cleats, they aren't cute anymore. Those shin guards, they aren't awesome, right? One of your kids is probably running a fever, but you got to tag them along anyways. And next thing you know, you're just getting through it, right? You're just getting through it. And the joy you once had the hope you once had in the little things like soccer practice, that starts to dwindle, that starts to fade away. And you read in the story of Ruth and you think, all I have to do is hang out in a field all day, no kids, no real like people over me, 
right? That sounds awesome. That sounds great. I'll take that any day. Sign me up. But this morning, I want to talk about some tools that help us to be proactive so we can set ourselves up to be fully present where we are and know that God is there with us. You hear in a lot of places, and it's not completely wrong, but you hear in a lot of places, and we've all heard it before and said it before, you kind of rank priorities in your life, right? You've got like God, family, work. We've all heard that, right? But I have to think of it differently. I have to think of it as putting God not necessarily first, but putting God at the center of everything I'm doing throughout the day, absolutely everything I'm doing. I have to think about putting God at the center of everything I do. God is at the center of my family. God is at the center of my job. God is at the center of my relationships. It's completely possible that when you put God intentionally at the center of everything you do, you're capable of meeting God in everything you do throughout your day. Next thing you know, all of a sudden, you realize that some of the most sacred moments you have are not in your room with the worship music and the Bible open. And that's great, and we'll get to that. But what you'll realize is that God is with you at the center of your kitchen sink, doing the dishes, right after you just got done yelling at your kids to eat. You know, you can tell I've got a bunch of little kids, and you just yell at them to eat. They won't eat. Next thing you know, you realize that those are actually sacred moments. Those are sacred moments, and the sacred moments are in everything that we do. We just have to awaken our hearts and our minds to those moments. And it may sound cheesy, but it's actually true. And it doesn't always make things easier, but in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the stress, you know that what you are doing, God has his hand in it with you. And it's important, and it's significant. There's a quote by a guy named G.K. Chesterton that I, Chesterton, that I would like to read. If you want to go ahead and put that up, awesome. Because children have abounding vitality. Because they are spirit in spirit, fierce and free. Therefore, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, and then the grown-up person does it again until he is nearly dead. For grown-up people are not strong enough to exalt monotony. But perhaps God is strong enough to exalt monotony. It is possible that God says every morning, do it again to the sun, and every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately but has never got tired of making them. It may be that he has the eternal appetite of infancy, for we have sinned and grown old, and our father is younger than we. So this morning, I want to talk about those do-it-again moments and how our God very much gave us the gift of exalting in monotony. I do believe it is possible that God says every morning, do it again, and God has never become too important or too intense to go to grow tired of the monotony that comes with you and I. God desires that you and I do not lose faith. We do not lose hope for the daily things that we have to do each day, the things that we don't think are maybe important. And this morning, I don't really want us to limit the idea of work. We're just not limiting the idea of work to a job or a career or a title. We work the minute we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. Technically, even when you're sleeping, you're serving a purpose. But work is just not limited to a job. Work includes it all. And today it seems like more and more is being asked of us and we are all being challenged to be great at so many different things. And this can absolutely spill over into how we engage with people at work, how we participate with people in our family, and furthermore, how we really participate in our relationship with God. 
that this can absolutely influence it. And God desires that you and I spend time with him in relationship with him. And it's about discovering and exploring ways that we engage in relationship with God through prayer, through scripture, through worship. It takes dedication and it takes discipline. Yes, a relationship with God just might sometimes feel like work. It might sometimes feel like effort. But guess what? That's okay. That is totally okay. Because more than just belonging to God and claiming God as your own, it's about a deeper connection. It's about growth. It's about transformation. And I'm talking about the kind of transformation that is rooted deep within your heart, the type of growth that is happening, a maturing that is happening to you even when you don't think any work is being done. That's the type of growth and transformation that, that can happen when we spend relationship with the Lord. So this morning, I just wanna encourage you. Maybe this is a season you're in, you're tired, you're stressed, you're feeling stretched. And just the daily grind is just hard work right now. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to share five daily habits with you that I think are pretty important. Now, I'm not a motivational speaker. This isn't a TED Talk. These aren't the keys to success. I'm not saying I have it figured out and all you have to do is follow these five easy steps. The next thing you know, life is just going to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying. I am hoping and praying that what I'm going to do is share, is going to share, just encourages you to keep working hard. That's it. And to remind you that the little things are so important. The monotony is so important. And when we learn to take the little things seriously, like our daily habits, our daily routines, that it's some of the most sacred work that we can be a part of. Because like we've said, life gets crazy. And if we're honest, it sometimes feels out of our control at times. And I just want to encourage you this morning, that's all. Um, How many know each day we're given 24 hours? And I believe that each day it's a gift from God and being aware of that is important. How we spend our time is extremely important. Everything we do from working, playing, just hanging around, resting, it's all important and it's all significant to God. So the question is, how do we gain control of our time? How do we gain control of our time? Well, we have to be proactive and we have to be intentional. We have to set up rules in our life. We have to set up routines in our life. And I'm talking about a set of habits you build in order to grow and grow for a purpose. You are growing in your love for God and your love for your family and your love for community. And there are a lot of resources out there that I would be happy to show you and help you out with kind of developing these these rules and these habits. But I'm just gonna share five daily habits with you guys real quick. Um, Actually, I have like weekly and monthly and yearly habits that we just don't have time to get into, but I wanna share five daily habits with you this morning. Daily habit number one, prayer, specifically morning prayer. So each morning, I pray the Lord's Prayer, and we don't really have time to get into why I pray the Lord's Prayer, but real quick, I use the Lord's Prayer as a template. I use it as a guide. The Lord's Prayer is formational and different than just talking to God, okay? And there's times and places for that that we'll get into, but I realized in the mornings that my prayers quickly shifted depending on how I was feeling that day, depending on how I was feeling that morning. I learned that in the mornings when I was stressed, I just prayed stressful prayers and forgot to pray about other stuff. I realized quickly that when I, was, when I was feeling selfish, I just prayed selfish prayers. When I was angry, I was, feeling, I was praying angry prayers, et cetera. But when I prayed the Lord's Prayer, I am covering important areas that perhaps I wouldn't on my own. And when I pray my thoughts and I pray my feelings and I just pray my moods, I pray really with a closed ceiling, 
When I pray the scripture, I pray according to a reality that's truer than the one that I'm currently perceiving. So the Lord's Prayer found in Matthew 6. I'm just going to read that real quick this morning. It says this in Matthew 6, verse 7. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This then is how you should pray. This is what I pray first thing in the morning. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And it just kind of has opportunities there to expand on certain things that you're praying. And at the end, I pray kind of whatever is still on my heart. And I just carry that with me throughout the day. So daily habit number one is prayer, specifically morning prayer. Daily habit number two, y'all with me? Scripture before phone. Scripture before phone. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. So reading the Bible, it is a spiritual practice. It is a spiritual discipline, which means that it, 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 it takes practice and we have to be disciplined, right? If you lack the desire to read the Bible sometimes, pray and ask that God would give you the desire, give you the hunger for his word and make it a priority and make it a practice. And there's a reason why I like to read in the morning right after prayer. This habit is called scripture before phone. But really what that means is scripture before text messages, scripture before emails, scripture, scriptures before thinking about assignments, scripture before the news, that's a big one, scripture before social media, right? God is giving us another day, so why not start with honoring him back with prayer and scripture? Getting into God's presence first thing in the morning to calibrate yourself, mind, body, and soul. Daily habit number two is scripture before phone. Daily habit number three, lunch and afternoon prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. This one's pretty simple, right? But as you know, each day brings us both things that we just want to absolutely give God thanks for. And there are things that we're saying, Lord, take this away from me right now. Right? Each day just brings ups and downs. And I set, a time, set aside a time each day at lunchtime. It may take two minutes. It may take 15 minutes. Right, And in the afternoon, I do the same things. And I just find a quick place to be alone. And I just kind of pray. Just, and I just talk to God. These prayers are real informal. And I just remind myself and calibrate my heart and my mind to remember that what I am doing is serving a purpose even if it doesn't feel like it at times, what I am doing right now, it's serving a purpose, that each moment brings an opportunity to grow, each moment brings an opportunity to develop and learn, and that God is near me in this moment right now. And making a daily habit of saying prayers throughout my day just helps me calibrate that what I am doing is important and that God is with me. Daily habit number four, one hour with phone off or phone away. Okay, this one's pretty self-explanatory too. But oftentimes we are throwing away a lot of our days on our phone. 
And this is kind of the struggle of the smartphone. And again, I'm just trying to be practical this morning. It's, it, it's amazing how it allows us to communicate and bring our world so much closer, but it's dangerous for the exact same reason. Um, and this is the struggle, right? Because we can fracture our presence until there isn't really left, um, until there really isn't much left of our attention. We can easily fracture our presence. And we have limited tension, attention and we have limited presence. But when we try to be present everywhere, all the time, we end up missing what is happening right in front of us. We miss what is happening right in front of us. So I love checking scores, listening to podcasts, reading articles, everything. But in my house, I have a rule about turning my phone off for at least an hour to make sure I am fully present with my family. Daily habit number five. Okay, this one can be a little controversial in the church. Wait till Tuesday to email Weston. All right. Psalms 139.14 says that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. So our body is the physical container that holds our mind and soul. Paul talks about this in Romans 12. Again, that connects our mind, body, and spirit together. Romans 12 verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So to many people, this means don't be irresponsible, right? Watch what you eat, watch what you drink, honor your body, and be careful and monitor what you're doing. But I believe this physical container that holds together our thoughts, holds together our emotions, our heart, soul, and spirit, all of these great things, I believe it's good and important for God's people to be challenged and encouraged to seriously take care of our physical bodies. The question is simple. Are you protecting your heart, mind, and soul? When you protect your body, you are honoring your calling. We always talk about like how are the hands and feet, right? Are you protecting that? Are you protecting your dreams? Are you protecting your values? Are you protecting your vision of what a good life is? So do you truly value your health? Health carries us a long way and so much is dependent on it. And you may be thinking, why am I talking about this at church? Make no mistake, I firmly believe that this is incredibly spiritual. Our bodies are a shell to our mind, soul, and heart. And exercise helps us reduce stress, sleep better, you know, eat better. It helps our moods, mental health. So it's important for us to daily exercise. This can also be you know, something very simple. This could mean going on a walk with your family. It can mean going, you know, adjusting your diet just a little bit. It can be setting goals that build, right? This isn't about vanity. This isn't about condemnation. It's about gratitude. It's about gratitude for what we've been given by God. It's about treating our bodies as a living sacrifice to be used for the glory of God. Amen? So these are five daily habits that have helped me grow in my relationship with God, with family, and community. And I'm sure many of you have your own routines and have your own habits that work for you. Keep going. Keep working. In Ruth chapter 2, we learn that Ruth went to work. And Ruth went to work not knowing whether or not it would pay off. But she was faithful to what needed to be done. And even though she didn't know how it would be rewarded, what we find out, spoiler alert, in Ruth chapter 3 is that her work pays off. And this morning, as the worship team comes out, 
I know what it's like to be tired. I know what it's like to feel like I've given everything and it still just doesn't seem to be enough. We've all been there, right? It still doesn't seem to just be good enough. And I just wanna encourage you this morning. First off, you're doing a good job. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're doing a good job. You're doing a good job, okay? You're doing great, all right? You're doing great and you're not alone. And the message today, even though it sounds like, hey, do five things if you aren't doing any of these things, which I know most of y'all are doing these things, but the message wasn't really about doing more. It's about prioritizing your spiritual journey and your physical health so you are aware and confident that you are capable of doing all the things that God is asking of you right now. You are absolutely capable of doing what God is asking of you right now. Galatians 6, 9, we just wrapped up a series in Galatians. It says, let us not get tired of doing what is good because just at the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. The key is they're not giving up. Church, God is not about giving up. God is about equipping you for what you are called to do. And that process and journey, just like Ruth, it takes work. It takes work. It takes discipline. It's about growing in your relationship with God by spending time with God. It's about growing in your relationships in your family and community. It's about being faithful and believing that what you do throughout your day, no matter how crazy it gets, it matters to God. It serves a purpose. Amen? Hey, I just want to pray with y'all real quick. Lord, we love you. We're so thankful for each and every day, God. Lord, I just pray right now that anyone in here that just feels overwhelmed, feels stressed, that's being tempted with, with bad attitudes, being tempted with, why is it always me? Being tempted with, why am I so busy, Lord? that we just understand that there's value and significance in our work, that it's important even when we feel like it's, it's not really happening. Lord, I just pray that we just grow in a hunger for your word, in a hunger for your presence, in a hunger for spending time with you, God. Shape us, form us, Lord. We don't just wanna grow little versions of ourselves without you, Lord. Lord, we're so thankful for the opportunity to be with you each and every day, that your presence is with us, Lord. May we just awaken our hearts, awaken our minds, awaken our souls, that you are there. Lord, just encourage everybody this morning that they are capable of doing what you're asking of them right now, Lord. Give them strength, give them confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand as we continue to worship our Lord.